The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig for the next half hour or so, a frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addicts. Uh, joining me as always from Epic Risk Management, my buddy Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Craig. I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, I've been on the road a lot, but it'll be nice to be home soon. Well, we'll get you there for sure, but you're doing great work on college campuses across the country. And happy to have joining us today Michael Bazzelli. Michael's the Associate Director for the Problem Gambling Network of Ohio, uh, just outside of Cleveland uh, this morning. Michael, good morning. Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, a pleasure listening to you guys over the years. And in our field, you know, you've made it when you're on Hello, My Name is Craig. So this is a a great honor. (laughs) Oh, I I appreciate that. You're right. And (laughs) and I appreciate that. Uh, Give give us a little sense of what it's been like since uh, the state of Ohio uh, legalized uh, wagering and, you know, just kind of like a 30,000 foot view of, of where you guys are at as you know, people are starting to realize how to gamble, and they are gambling, uh, and the maturity of uh, the gambling uh, community in Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we Ohio has a long history of gambling. We were one of the first states to actually have a state lottery. We started our state lottery in 1973, um, but we opened up casino-style gaming in 2012. So that certainly boosted not only gambling behaviors, but an interest in, you know, the need to build a treatment workforce for gambling addiction and then also a a prevention and education workforce. So that's where I started. I started in 2013 doing, you know, community prevention, education, awareness around problem and responsible gambling. And that's kind of also where uh, I started just myself and with various agencies I was at trying to reach out to colleges and universities um, with, with, with some success, some failure, as Dan will tell you, there are a lot of challenges in working with colleges and universities around this topic. But with the legalization of sports betting just last year in Ohio, that has drastically changed. So not only are you know people more aware of sports betting, people are sports betting on all different types of events, sports, whether it's at you know, brick and mortar sports books are obviously the majority of bets are being made on their phones, but you actually now have universities reaching out. Hey, we think we do need something. We need some support. We need some guidance. We need some education on this. So working with that population has kind of exploded. And it's it's a little bit of a silver lining in that sense, because there's just this whole new open arena to, to work with and educate and have conversations with with college students. And, you know, traditionally that's kind of 18 to 22-year-olds. So I, I guess my question for you is, in your work with these universities and, you know, the breadth of your career, you're working with uh, the gambling community, do you find that colleges are reaching out to you because they're concerned that the student body is going to wager out of control or are they concerned about some other aspect of young people on college campuses wagering whether it becomes a problem or not and what that brings to their communities? I think it's a little bit of everything, Craig. I think it's, 
hey, we we've you know forever done education on alcohol and drugs. We've done education or or awareness around mental health and suicide. So kind of building their awareness that gambling can be problematic, right? Um, right. And that it is a risk behavior. So we should be educating on this as well. I think that's one component and that's great, right? That they want to have their students be more educated on this topic or this issue. Um, they, they don't want their students gambling out of control or starting to have consequences. But honestly, there, there's some uh, face saving as well, right? Because right. some of these colleges and universities are creating partnerships with sports betting uh, companies or they know that their students are gambling on their own, uh, you know, athletic program, especially I'm here in Ohio, right? What's more, what's bigger or more important than Ohio State Buckeye football, right? So a lot of universities are also kind of saying, hey, if we're going to have this, we should probably also pair it with some sort of prevention education yeah. as well. And, so, I, and I think the issue that you guys have, and I respect the work you do, you know, I know, you know, Dan does it. You know, across the country as well. I think the issue, and please tell me either one of you if I'm wrong, is that, you know, I have teenage kids. I have kids in their young 20s. You're trying to tell a 19, 20, 21 year old, 22 year old kid, young adult, about the perils, the potential perils of gambling. A lot of times is, you know, you're talking to a rock. Not that the message yeah, yeah. shouldn't be delivered, not that we shouldn't warn these kids, we should warn them and tell them stories like mine and like Dan's. But at the end of the day, I can tell my kids all day and night, hey, you probably shouldn't drink at that party. You probably shouldn't you know, trust the guy that gave you a joint. You probably shouldn't mm-hmm. wager with money you can't afford to lose. It does go in one ear and out the other a lot of times, no? I agree. Um, I mean, so so Dan and I come from two different approaches and me and Dan – love each other and respect each other and have had so, so many, you know, yep. trainings and sessions and conversations together. We, we just take two different strategies, but that's because how many college students are there in the right. world, right? There, there yep. need to be multiple strategies. And Dan and I were both college athletes and collegiate athletes need more of a focus and more of attention. And I can say this because we both were this, we are ultra competitive and there's a sense of invincibility, right? So college athletes do need more of a focus on this topic. They do need more attention. And I think hearing stories of addiction and recovery are, are absolutely important. And there's a space for that. But like you said, Craig, it, it can sometimes go in one ear and out the other because these are young people, right? 18, right. 19. I remember when I was 18 <laughs> and 19 and that message probably would have gone in, in and out the ears. So I also, what I also then kind of focus on is what college students have told me. And I always start with that. I say, you tell me how, what you think about this issue, and I'll try to frame it to your values. And what I've found out is that college students don't look at gambling addiction as a substance. They don't relate it to drinking alcohol or using substances. But a lot of times people try to frame the message that way. Hey, gambling's an addiction just like alcohol and drugs. So I'm going to talk to you about gambling, alcohol and drugs, but they don't view it that way. So then the message to to me shouldn't come from that way. How I view it, what they, how I phrase it is from how they've told me that they look at it and more of a mental health aspect of when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, I, I gamble as a way to cope, right. And use it as a coping mechanism. Well, that can be really problematic 
So that's typically where my message comes from. It's, 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 you know, problem gambling prevention mixed with if you choose to gamble, how do you do it responsibly? And also not letting gambling be that negative coping mechanism for when you're stressed, when you're anxious, when you're depressed. And then that's also great then to mix with Dan's message because who's stressed and anxious? College athletes. Yeah, so Dan, let me let you jump in for a second. I I guess one of the questions I have for both you guys, we use the word prevention, and I'm trying to wrap my head around, are we teaching young people, is it gambling prevention or is it problem gambling prevention? And if it's the second, if it's problem gambling prevention, yeah, that's a tough message to sell to somebody who doesn't yet have a problem, no? Yeah, and, and there's a, yeah, a few points I want to make, and, and Mike, you're spot on, and I love how you ask the question and frame it, because it's, it's, it's important that we speak the language that college-age individuals and emerging adults are using. It does me no good, Craig, to your point, to talk about, oh, this gets bad and it's gambling, when, when most of college students at the campuses that I've been on, they don't see sports betting as gambling. I mean, we're starting from that premise that I don't gamble, I just bet on sports. I don't gamble, I just play daily fantasy sports. Right. So all of a sudden now we're missing the message if we even start talking about the word gambling. When we talk about prevention, you know, the use of lived experience, the use of how do you feel, mental health, emotional awareness, that all matters, especially from a peer to peer support network like athlete to athlete. There's different layers of prevention, I would argue. You know, you have primary, you have secondary, you have tertiary. I think what we're trying to do is help people avoid going down the same path for it to get really bad on that end of the continuum. But, Craig, you said something that's so true. Just because I tell someone to be careful or not do it, they're still going to do it. And they have to decide what their relationship will be. That's how I phrase it. You have to examine what your relationship is with gambling. How does it make you feel? Why do you gamble? Like, why do you bet on sports? What motivation is it? You know, have you ever had any regret? Like, is there anything that you ever regret about betting on sports? Helping them understand where it fits into their life, why they do it, are they doing it to escape, can help create a healthier relationship with it. So by virtue of that, you're avoiding the problematic behavior, and you're also then helping people talk about it, which reduces stigma and shame, and it mm-hmm. makes it okay to address. So, so it's a bit of prevention on both. It's, right. it's, it's it's not preventing people from gambling. It's not gambling prevention because gambling for most can be a healthy form of entertainment when it's treated that way. Right. But we do want to prevent people from falling off the proverbial cliff, as our CEO Paul Buck says. We don't want people to go there, but that's also how you build resiliency in life. You have to experience life in order to build resiliency and coping skills. So it's a collection of experiences. We just want gambling to be a part of the conversation with mental health with substance use to some degree, because they can be connected. So that's kind of how I see it. And, Mike, let me ask you this before we take a break. You know, b- before I left, you know, doing the radio show on a daily basis uh, to come over to Fox, you know, I was approached by a number of local high schools to bring uh, the presentation I do on college campuses, uh, similar to what you and Dan do, I suppose, uh, to bring those presentations to local high schools. And the, to make a very long story short, You know, there are some parent groups and PTA groups and even educators that think having those conversations in high schools is too early. They're too young for it. Uh, Obviously, they can't do it legally uh, for another number of years, but not to bring these types of, you know, uh, messages into high schools. And I'm I'm just wondering, because I'm curious about it, in Ohio, 
when do, where do you guys start, you know, the educating about gambling? Do you do it in high schools or do you wait for kids to matriculate to college before your group starts talking to them? So actually, it's really interesting. I would say going to schools to talk about problem gambling prevention started in high schools before people like me were able to get into the colleges and universities. And that's because, you know, you can integrate it into things like health classes and things like that. So I don't think high school is too early. And a really interesting caveat, Craig, is that our neighbor to the south, Kentucky, did just legalize sports betting for 18-year-olds. So high schoolers in Kentucky can sports bet and you know, our Cincinnati area youth will be able to just jump over the Ohio River and be able to engage in that. So it's it's actually becoming more important in our state to be having these conversations with high schoolers because we know they're engaging in it. And um, there is that kind of myth of if you talk about it or bring it up, that'll just get them to do it more. And, and that is a myth. That's not true. So I where, where my interest has been is college and universities, but I know a number of prevention professionals are are reaching out to high schools and are having those conversations. And I I would argue that that's a that's a great place, and it's not too early. Let me just Real take quick, a quick break, Dan, and I'll let you jump okay. in there in just one second. I promise you. Yeah, you got it. Uh, we'll continue on with hello, my name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Uh, Mike Pizzelli joins us. He's uh, out there in Ohio, uh, quote-unquote, fighting the good fight. Uh, Mike is the Associate Director for the Problem Gambling Network of Ohio. And, of course, Dan Schlauer, as always, joins us from Epic Risk Management. I had a quick question before we let Mike go, but I know, uh, Dan, before we went to break, you wanted to just jump in on my question about, you know, how young is too young to start having conversations with kids about the potential of uh, problem gambling. Go ahead. Yeah, when I was the assistant director in New Jersey for the New Jersey Council for, you know, four and a half, five years, we tried to get into high schools back in 2017, 2018, and it was met with the same resistance, whether it was the principal, the superintendent, the teachers. They're like, you know, there's no gambling here. Our kids don't have gambling problems. They're too young. We heard the same thing. We pivoted off that message because we felt and we believed in what we did. And what we asked them, I said, do your kids play video games? Well, yeah, teenagers play video games. Great. I said, we'd love to come in and talk to them about video gaming, sleep deprivation, impact on mental health, and gambling mechanics that exist within video games. And they're like, there's gambling in video games? I'm like, that's where younger kids start to get exposed to the concept of gambling through the mechanics that are embedded in video games. And Mike and I have done talks on this around the country. When you're buying a loot box, a prize pack, you're playing FIFA Ultimate Team, you're learning the value of risking something to try to win something of value, a valuable, you know, skin, a valuable player, something that makes your weapon look cooler depending on the game you're playing, you don't always get it. So there's risk-reward with an element of uncertainty. You're teaching someone the concept and normalizing spending of money to risk money to win something of value in those early years. So absolutely, once we communicated it that way to the high schools, we ended up doing 143 high schools uh, back-to-back years in the state of New Jersey. That's awesome. You know, Mike, before I let you go, you know, when Ohio had announced that it had legalized the, you know, the sports wagering, I was asked to speak uh, to a group in Ohio, a bunch of legislatures and people that were going to be involved in, a, in the council. And what I said to them was that, in my opinion, humbly, 
as a guy that was, you know, is pretty well in tune with, uh, you know, the gambling community and the proliferation of it, that Ohio is quickly going to become one of the uh, biggest states in the country from a standpoint of the state's handle, meaning how many how many wages they take mm-hmm. and the value of those wagers. And I said, and my concern about that is there's going to be a lot of people wagering for the very first time. And if 1% of people do have a problem and millions of people are now wagering, you can do the math. You're going to have an epidemic on your hands and you're not prepared for it because you can't predict it uh, yet because it is so new coast to coast. And that was my only fear about it because I am a proponent of legalized wagering. And I'm wondering now, you know, uh, just over a year later, uh, where Ohio is in regards to acknowledging that they do have to set aside funds to let people like you do your job and to ultimately one day hopefully build centers where problem gamblers can go get help. Where are we now? We are. Uh, we've taken that message. I remember when, when you were here and hearing that you spoke to the commission. What I can tell you is, I mean, you were certainly right. Um, and we had been following the states who had legalized and operated sports betting before us. What I can tell you is for years we were at about 500 calls to our problem gambling helpline on a, on a monthly basis. When we legalized sports betting for a couple of months, we were above a thousand. And now from the summer into the fall, we've steadied at around 750. So we're a few hundred calls a month more than where we were due to sports betting. We we've seen that more people are reaching out. Um, so yeah, I mean, an epidemic is, is probably an appropriate term. Um, and you're seeing younger folks reach out for treatment, younger people calling the helpline, I think, because they were new to it. There was the, the pomp and circumstance of it. And, you know, possibly they grew in, in consequences really rapidly because with, with sports betting and mobile apps, you can bet really rapidly. So people are reaching out sooner which is also good because then we can provide them with help and resources sooner. But, you know, it's affecting a different population, younger folks as well. So, I mean, I I think what you predicted has occurred, but uh, I think two important pieces are we we did put 2% aside from sports wagering uh, to match the 2% that we get from the casinos. So you're talking about what's actually a pretty good amount of money that's going to prevention and treatment resources. So we think we have a good workforce here to handle some of the consequences that do come with with legalized sports betting. And you were also right in terms of the market. Ohio, I think, is fourth or fifth in terms of sports betting market. So we, we have a large market. We have a, a kind of a sports crazy population here in Ohio. So you were you were right with that as well. And I think before I jump off, I, I wanted to mention something that Dan did about, you know, mixing the message, if you will. Oftentimes people don't want to hear about gambling. So how can we make it relevant to what they do? And when he was talking about youth relating it to screen time and gaming, and that's a, that's a, a great technique. And I've talked to thousands of college students, college athletes, Greek life students and fraternities and sororities over the years. And just to, to back up his message, and I think to leave everyone with something is, when we can combine the problem gambling message with something that people already value, it, it, it's so impactful. And Dan's heard me talk about this, but the, the most impactful thing I've ever done and what has stuck with me so much was when I was tasked with 
uh, talking about problem gambling with a sorority of 18 to 22 year old, you know, young women. And I was like, how am I going to get this message across to them? Right. And through talking with them, we found out that one of the sisters in that sorority was in an abusive and codependent relationship with a problem gambler. So by being able to tie the gambling addiction or problem gambling message with with domestic violence and and things that these young ladies wanted to hear about, this this entire sorority was on the edge of their seats listening to me talk to them about gambling addiction because it directly impacted in a, in a very large way, one of their sisters. Yeah. So when we can combine the message with something that people already value, whether it's suicide, uh, uh, domestic violence, alcohol use, uh, et cetera, they can then start to say, okay, maybe I'm not a problem gambler. Maybe I don't know one, but this is still information that I should know and take back with me. No, that's very special, very important. Uh, I appreciate your time today. I know you're busy. Hopefully I can return the favor one day or if I'm ever out in Ohio again. I uh, look forward oh, yeah. to meeting you face-to-face. I know it's a big weekend. Your phone's going to be ringing off the hook this weekend with Ohio State, Penn State, and I'm sure games like that <laughs> bring out more gamblers, meaning your phone's going to ring more. So continue to do the work you're doing. We appreciate it, and I look forward to having you back on the show. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks a lot, Craig, and thanks, Dan. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, All right, Mike. Well. All right, that's Mike Pizzella. He's out there in Ohio doing a great job. Dan, always good talking to you, pal. Be good, safe travels. Uh, we'll Thank do it again much. next week. Coming up next here on The Fan, it's uh, Joe Beningo time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.